Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 146 of the Social Liability Podcast, the podcast where we discuss those folks in our lives that violate the social contracts that we all agree to live by. I am your host, The Raz, with my co-host, The Buck, bringing you new and interesting stories from the far reaches of the interwebs. And, and Buck, you know, we have two podcasts that people might not know about. We have the Social Liability Podcast, which it comes out every Saturday. We also have the Subcockles of Reddit podcast that comes out every Wednesday. So make sure you like, like and subscribe to both of those. Uh, both of them are, are, are pretty comedy-based, but if you uh, check out the latest episode of the, of the Subcockles of Reddit, that one's a little heavy-hitting. Um, but take a listen to it. It has to, both of us ranting about disabilities a little bit. So give give that a listen. Um we just got done recording that, and it's going to be uploaded, but it'll, it'll come out on Wednesday. Uh, but, Buck, how you been this week, man? Dude, I've been mildly above average. Mildly? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got a shower. Yay. You know, you, you know that is, you have no idea, man. You have no idea. Everybody, everybody who might listen to this, I want you to realize that don't take your fucking showers for granted. Don't you do it. Okay? In my world right now, it is, it, 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 it's, it's a logistical nightmare just to get in the fucking shower. I gotta have special chairs that slide over the toilet and back over again. And we broke the fucking handle on the, on the chair this week. And, ah, uh, but I'm clean. And I look good. I and I smell that, nice. Man. I smell good. You might. I do. Degree. Well. It was good. You know, but nothing, but uh, all, all in all, man, good week. Good week. Well, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, and I, I do mean any length of time, because we tend to bring it up in ad nauseum, so much so that I've like consciously tried not to bring it up, that we used to work together. Uh, we used to work in, in a prison. And, you know, Buck, how many times have you seen somebody come into the lobby for visitation and get themselves arrested because they had warrants? Where you would open up the merchandiser, which was like this free newspaper we had, and you'd see like the 10 most wanted in the county, and you're looking at two of them sitting in the lobby waiting to visit somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think I think I actually recall that happening... Not to me personally, but while I've worked there, probably about four or five times that I can that I can say off the like the top of my head. I, I had one one time. I opened the merchandiser and I'm looking at I'm like bullshit. And I and when they came up to sign in, I got their ID. I'm like hell, it's sure as hell, it's them. I let them have their visit to keep them on site, but I had the state troopers come down and get them at the door. <laughs> so I took them out the front door and brought them in the side door. <laughs> I remember that. That was freaking hilarious didn't they put a keep separate on you and that guy too i don't remember possibly <laughs> it would make sense <laughs> it would make sense <laughs> but you know we, we have a, oh man we have a, a, a story from nj.com fugitive arrested after applying for job with the hudson county sheriff's office <laughs> A New Jersey fugitive from justice made herself easy to find. She applied for a job at the Hudson County Sheriff's Office, the law enforcement agency that specializes in picking people up for outstanding warrants. 
Yema Y. Johnson, 27, was charged with being a fugitive from justice on Tuesday. County Sheriff Frank, uh, I'm not even going to try it. Uh, she was wanted by authorities in Monroe County, Pennsylvania, for failure to appear in court for charges of fraud and an additional 10 bench warrants for failure to appear in court on traffic charges in New Jersey. She had applied for employment as a security guard with the sheriff's office. After the validity of the warrants was confirmed, Johnson was called in under the impression that she was going in for a job interview where she was taken into custody. During the routine inventory of Johnson's property following her arrest, sheriffs discovered that she was in possession of two credit cards believed to be stolen, and she was subsequently charged with credit card theft. (laughs) The sheriff said the United States Postal Investigative Services has launched an investigation since Johnson previously worked for the Postal Service as well. She is currently being held at Hudson County Jail, awaiting extradition to Pennsylvania. (laughs) It's, wow. I'm going to go for a job interview at the sheriff's department with stolen property in my in my pocket. That's a great idea. Let alone the fact that you Matt, know you... I'm sorry. When, when, when someone gets arrested and they're like, you have warrants? Like, I do? You know you had warrants. <laughs> yeah, you're like, rut row. Rut row. Uh-oh. Every once in a while, yeah. I run my own name just to make sure. <laughs> no kidding. I I also like give a phone call every once in a while to a buddy and I and I ask him like hey man can you just throw my name out there and see if anything comes back you know just you know give me a heads up I mean like I'd love to say that I still do that but I don't really go anywhere or do anything so I don't do it now but I know what you mean man right <laughs> I know what you mean yeah, see, I've had a I've had a problem where there's somebody from the same state that I'm from that has a, the same name as me, middle initials different. Um, we're almost the same age, a little bit older, and he's uh, he lives in a town that I grew up in. <laughs> and uh, this dude's a shitbag. So every once in a while, I will run myself for warrants just to see if um, to see if there's any mistaken identities out there. Um, you know, we've also just known shitty people that would do shitty things, but that's just the way it is. Hey, you know, I mean, I have the exact same name as my dad. And there are times where he's had somebody wanting to send him a letter for something or call him for something. It pro- I think it was like probably two or three years ago. I almost lost my Medicaid benefits because they were trying to tell me that you own a house. And I'm like, well, wait, wait, I don't own a home. Like, what do you do. mean I own? They're, they're like, no, we're looking at it right here. It's yours. I'm like, oh, really? Really? Tell me, tell me where my unknown land is. Like, tell me, tell me where, what? Uh, I'm Lord of what castle? Hmm? And they told me the address, and they were like, and they really doubled down on it. We know that you own the property at this address. And I was like, huh. I guess I got to call my dad. Let him know that I own his home now. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, you almost kicked me off of Medicaid, created like a five-alarm fire in, like, in my mind here. Okay, you can't run around like your hair is on fire. If you can't run, your hair is just all fire. That's it. 
Like, look what you did to me because my dad owns a house and you're doubling down on it. Like, you realize that there are more more than one of, uh, there's more than one person with the name of X. You know, did you notice that there's a suffix on my name? Junior? Hmm? <laughs> uh, consequently enough, if you notice Exhibit A, my dad also has a suffix. Senior. I bet you if you put that filter on there and looked up addresses again, they might come up a little different. Did they, at least, did they at least apologize? No, but they did restore my benefits. Fair enough. But either way, showing, showing up for a job, showing up, applying for a job, I guess that is kind of like a not-so-elaborate hoax. It's like, ah, oh, they'll never find me if I'm hiding in plain sight. I suppose. So, no, you don't know. So, Buck, we have a, we, just for people not in the know, we have a group chat that's uh, me, you, uh, Sadar, and uh, another friend of ours, the, the Blue Duck, Gold Duck, who I used to do a podcast with, where we kind of vet um, the news stories that we're going to cover for this podcast. Um, and it's more, it, it, that's what it originally was, but then it became a, this is where we're just going to, we're going to deposit them so <laughs> that we can keep track of them as we find them throughout the week. And every once in a while, I'll throw something, some meme on there. Well, yesterday, I came across a news story. And I didn't send it. I didn't send it because it was like this is great for the podcast. I sent it because I was like, "How fucking dare they?" Uh, this is being reported by ABC News. Uh, this is actually not the the story I'm referring to. So the original story that I sent involved Uvalde. So there was a they hired a new school resource officer at the new school because the old school they aren't going to attend anymore. They, they said, we're done. We're just going to close that building. They're going to demolish it. They built a new school just because of the, they didn't want to be in that building. And I can, I can see that. So they hired a new school resource officer. And guess who they hired? A trooper that was under investigation and quit because she was one of the pieces of crap that wouldn't go into the school to save those kids. And he's even seen on video uh, when they asked, some other trooper asked her, is your kid in there? And she's like, no, if my kid was there, I'd be inside. And they, yeah. And, and this f- fucking idiots, they hired her as the school resource officer. Well, that kind of blew up because, you know, there was people recognized her from the, the, the parents recognized her from the footage. So that didn't go over well, as you can imagine. Well, we have a follow-up story for that. Uvalde School District suspends entire police force, superintendent to retire amid fallout from shooting. The Uvalde Schools, Texas School District, still facing withering criticism over its police department's failings during the May 24th elementary school massacre and since announced the suspension of its entire district police force on Friday. Hours later, Uvalde School District Superintendent Hal Harrell uh, announced that he would be retiring. There was no time game given for Harrell's um, sorry, retirement, but the transition will be discussed in a closed session with the school board on Monday. The school district requested more Texas Department of Public Safety troopers to be stationed on the campus and, and in extracurricular activities amid the police department suspension. We are confident that the school and students' uh, safety will not be compromised during this transition. 
The length of the school district uh, police suspension is not clear. Lieutenant Miguel Hernandez, uh, who was tasked with leading the department in the fallout from the shooting that killed 19 students and two teachers, and Ken Mueller, the UCISD's Director of Student Services, were placed on administrative leave. Hernandez acknowledged in a law enforcement communication in August that he had received formal notification from DPS that an officer applying from Uvalde School's uh, police force was under investigation for her response at Robb Elementary. The motherfuckers knew. Mueller was elected to re- has elected to retire, according to the school district. Officers currently employed will fill other roles in the school district. Why? Uh, according to the district's website, this includes four officers and one security guard. Victim's family is led by Brett Cross, guardian of a 10-year-old victim, uh, has been holding a round-the-clock vigil outside the school district headquarters calling for change. Mm. The families are now commending Friday's police department announcement. We've gotten a little bit of accountability. Uh, It's a win, and we don't get very many of those. (sighs) Kimberly Rubio, whose daughter Lexi was killed at Rob, said the department suspension was what we've been asking for. It's more than we've been asking for. I don't know how to hire people. I don't know how they vet officers. They haven't been providing proper training. It's a win. It's a small win. We're not done. Uh, A grandmother of one of the victims said, this is a perfect example of why we didn't stop. We are going to continue because there are other children that still go to school there. We have a lot of siblings of deceased that go there. We want to make sure these kids are secure and protected. We want to make sure these people that are protecting them are willing to protect them. The department uh, suspension comes one day after the firing of Crimson, I can't pronounce this chick's name, uh, Elizondo, the officer who was hired by Uvalde School District despite being under investigation for her contact conduct rather as a DPS trooper during the massacre. She was the first DPS member to enter the hallway at Rob after the school shooter gained entry. The trooper did not bring her rifle or vest into the school and according to the results of an internal review by DPS that was detailed by ABC News. As a result of the potential failure to follow standards, the trooper was among seven DPS personnel uh, whose conduct is now being investigated by the agency's inspector general. The seven were suspended. However, she resigned from DPS to work with Uvalde School. She was no longer subject to any disciplinary dis, or, uh, discipline or penalties. Her conduct, if found to be in violation of law or policy, would be included in the final report from DPS inspector general. The school district said in Friday's statement that decisions were concerning. The school district police department has been pending results of the investigation from the Texas Police Chiefs Association and private investigative firm JPPI Investigations, but recent developments have uncovered additional concerns with departmental operations. Results of the JPPI investigation will inform future personnel decisions, and the Texas Police Chiefs Association review will guide the rebuilding of the department and the hiring of a new chief of police. Oh my god. I mean, just the fuck, one of the fucking hubris of this bitch to even, I'm gonna go work there now. And the fact that they didn't look and say, hey, you you were a trooper. Did you happen to be here when this happened? No, you knew damn well who she was. It's a small community. You knew who she was. You hired her anyway. What the fuck were you thinking? I know. I know. That's... So, those troopers who are now suspended are actual police officers. Are they or are they not? Yes. Okay. 
All right. I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. So there, so in Texas, they have troopers, they have local police, and apparently the school district actually had its own police force. It wasn't a, a tremendous amount of employees, but they actually had their own police department just for the school district. So the school district's police department was completely suspended. Back during the massacre, she was a trooper that responded to the school and basically didn't do shit. She was wouldn't wouldn't go into the school, and when she finally did, she didn't do it right. Um, and she's on camera saying that, oh, I would have went in there if my kids were in there. But she won't go in for other kids. Okay. Yeah, that I heard that. I heard that, and it, it actually almost brought a tear to my eye. Like that just you signed up. Like what did you what did you sign up to do? Why do you even have that job? Just to collect a paycheck? Go work at a fucking hotel. Go work at a gas station. Go work at a fucking fast food place if all you want's a paycheck. Like those you know, men and women who do that job, like they get into it because they want to protect people. And well, I mean, like you know, that's that's the ideal the ideology of that entire profession to serve and protect. And it's like I didn't see very much of any of that based on the body cam footage that they showed in the clip in the video that you sent to the group chat. Like, and here's the thing: the, I, there I, there I, were I, there were dozens of people standing out there. Like, yeah, she opened her mouth. And, and, you know, she should have never been hired. Like, she's a total, total idiot. But how many other people were just standing there right. on that body cam video? Like, everybody. I'm so glad that they're, they're just shit-canning the whole fucking thing. Like, that's just a great idea. So I it, think that's fantastic. So Buck, I, I've participated in, as a trainer for, um, for, for, for this type of event, school shootings particularly, um, We'd actually go into schools at night after they closed um, and enact one of these out. And the way we trained officers to respond is we don't train them like this. This is like your role. This is this. It's whoever gets there first, you go in and you start gunning. I mean, straight up, you, you put as much pressure on the shooter as you can. And there's no waiting. It's, it's you go in. And, you know, we, we intentionally did not let departments train together because you never know what order your departments are going to get there. And you're not going to wait until your, your particular team gets there. So we, we would have, because um, this is in Pennsylvania, we'd have a, like a, a state trooper, a, a local police officer, a, a constable, a, a, you know, campus security, because they were close by. You know, we had, you know, we just mix them in and send them in in, in, uh, in weird configurations to teach them like we're not going to wait for the special specialized team to show up. We are going to put pressure on this person and we are going to shut them down as quickly as possible. That is the national standard. That is what is taught everywhere. It's not something I came up with. It was, this is the trainers we brought in and this is what we did. I was usually the shooter, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and so we would train people for this. And, and that's what they teach all over the country, all over the world, for that matter. So the fact that they didn't do anything is just cowardice. But let's get, I don't, I, let's, let's get off this topic, Buck, because I'm, I'm getting mad. And I don't want to bring down the entire show. So I got good news. I do ooh, got, 
This is being reported by CNBC.com. It's actually being reported pretty much everywhere. And if you haven't heard this yet, your head's under a rock. President Biden pardons thousands of people convicted of marijuana possession and orders review of federal pot laws. Uh, President Joe Biden on Thursday pardoned thousands of individuals convicted of possession of marijuana, saying the current system makes no sense, and sending pot stocks soaring on the news. Uh, The pardon applies only to federal offenders convicted of simple marijuana possession, as well as those charged in the District of Columbia. But Biden called for governors across the country to follow suit. Just as no one should be in federal prison solely due to the possession of marijuana, no one should be in a local jail, state prison, or for that reason either. More than 6,500 individuals with prior convictions for simple marijuana possession were impacted by the pardons. And now thousands more uh, through pardons under D.C.'s law. Uh, The pardons will not be extended to those who weren't U.S. citizens and were illegally in the country at the time of their arrest. Cannabis companies, uh, tri- uh, Till Rally Brands and Canopy Growth, both spiked at the news, growing 30% and 22% respectively in the afternoon trading. As of Thursday's close, however, each stock was still trading for less than $4 per share. In addition to the pardons, Biden announced that he has instructed the Secretary General of Human Services, Xavier Becerra, and the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, to begin reviewing how marijuana is classified under the federal drug laws. Uh, Biden noted that marijuana is currently a Schedule One substance under federal drug sentencing guidelines, the same as heroin and LSD, and for and some and, and more serious fentanyl. He says it makes no sense, and it doesn't. Uh, the Justice Department's Office of Pardon Attorney will take the lead on administering the Biden's proclamation. An agency spokesperson said, "In the coming days, the office will implement a formal process to provide pardoned individuals with a certificate of pardon." The proclamation. Uh, also formally restores those with individual, those individuals who all the political, civil, and other rights have been denied to them as felons. There are thousands of people who were convicted of marijuana possession who have been denied employment, housing, or educational opportunities as a result. My pardon will remove this burden from them. Uh, the relatively small number of people who were actually pardoned Thursday obscures the massive role that marijuana plays in America's criminal justice system. Every year, arrests for marijuana possession typically account for between 40 and 50% of all drug arrests nationwide. According to the research compiled by the American Civil Liberties Union, between uh, 2010 and 2018, there were 6.1 million arrests in the United States for marijuana possession. In 2018 alone, police made more arrests for marijuana than of all violent crimes combined. The ACLU data shows that these arrests disproportionately impact people of color and low-income communities, serving to deepening existing structural uh, inequalities. Too many lives that are upended because of our failed approach to marijuana, it's time that we right these wrongs. Uh, Beyond Washington, Thursday's news representative, a major victory for the country's nascent, I don't know, uh, marijuana industry, which was struggling to gain access to major financial markets due to disparities within the, the patchwork of state laws that govern marijuana possession. Today, repre- uh, representatives from today represents action from the administration that we've been waiting for, an acknowledgement that Canada's prohibition has failed and that too many lives have been significantly impacted as a result. Uh, Biden's proclamation has set in motion actions that ne- they needed to heal the harms of the past and chart a course for responsible legal cannabis markets in the future. Legal pot, Buck. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, I mean, it's coming. It better because milk costs almost fucking four fifty a gallon, and it would be great to have a fucking fantastic source of tax revenue. They just, you just, you know, really stabilize the blow our economy's suffering right now. I mean, because that's what indeed. that. So we, we've had this Go. discussion privately before, you know, um, right now in, we, we, we've said that you live in Virginia, so that's not a, that's not like a new, new revelation. No. Uh, in Virginia, what are the current marijuana laws in Virginia? They're, it's legal. It's, it's recreationally legal. It's medically legal, but what isn't legal is selling it. So you can grow your own and legally, you can legally grow your own and smoke it is, uh, is the law. So if, if somebody, I'm not saying you, if somebody wanted to purchase marijuana in the state of Virginia, how much would a gram of marijuana cost them? between 10 and 20 bucks a gram so i live in the bustling metropolitan that is the state of oklahoma which is a very very conservative state i mean extremely conservative state i am in the middle of trump town let me tell you uh however it's very unique in that they had an initiative a number of years back where they said you know about for medical marijuana Nobody expected this initiative to pass. It went on a ballot for the, for the people. They said it would never pass. Guess what? It passed overwhelmingly. So now they're literally the towns around here are just full of marijuana shops like everywhere. Um, some of them are really, really cool looking. Um, but I just picked the one that looks the most professional to me, like the, 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 the upscale one in the town that I live. I'm on their website right now, and it has the menu on here and let's just we're talking about flower you know the the actual buds uh, i'm looking at uh most of them um like for a for like a cbd type one dollar a gram um oh, wait stop are you trying to make me jealous because you already had me at like store stores with a z because <laughs> there's a lot of them yeah <laughs> That's that's what I'm like. Now you're at like the a la carte section on a website, man. I'm at the mercy of a black fucking market. So all right, there, fuck I, you. There's there's so many different um, kinds on here. I I, I couldn't. I, I love the names of them though. By the way, <laughs> but uh, it goes from one dollar a gram. Uh, I think for the highest like top shelf stuff they have is twelve dollars a gram. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So, but that is heavily taxed, you know, and heavily monitored. So not only is this going to be a huge, if, if we're able to have, even if it's just medical. Okay. Uh, But I I think, I think we're, we're looking at a point where it's going to become recreational real quick. Um, the, The tax revenue alone and the fact that it will become affordable for people in your situation is just mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it, it's like why why are we waiting? Let's move. Come on. 
You know, and I want to go to a place and have a bud tender. A bud tender? You know, I, yeah. I want that, man. A budista. You know? I want that. I want to go into a place and be able to do that, man. I don't want to have to be, like, all clandestino, you know? Like, ugh. You know, going through, like, oh, my God. It's, it was so hard before I got my, quote, hookup here. Like, oh, my. Allegedly. Like moving? Allegedly. I'm not even going to go with allegedly. You come at me. Come at me. Come at me. Let's go. Let's sit me in front of a judge, and, and we'll go back and forth. And it's only going to go two ways. Judge is going to go, you look pretty rough. And I'm going to go, I am pretty rough. And judge is going to be like, let him go. That's that's it's going to be a lot longer and a lot more legal jargon, but you know, I what am I going to do? Court on a Zoom call? Yeah, that that's going to be a gas. No, before I got my hook up here, man, shit was fucking rough. I had to send caregiver Katie. I didn't send her. She volunteered to go. She she did. Went on a two-hour-long nighttime drug, <laughs> like drug lookout with a meth addict. <laughs> Holy yeah, and I'm sitting there like convulsing at home, choking on water, and she's just like, "I'm gonna go. To- I'm I'm gonna do this." Like, like. Somebody who smokes meth should be able to find weed, right? I'm like, uh, should be. She's like, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. She put on her like light foundation, super awesome. Like, you know, I think she was wearing like a World of Warcraft T-shirt or like a Call of Duty Modern Warfare T-shirt. She's like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> Goes out. I look like I'm on drugs. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. It was just, you know what, though? I mean, like, you look back on those memories and you're just like, that woman would literally do anything for me. That's just so hip. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Well, Buck, <laughs> hopefully you get some weed. Uh, we're next going to go to my favorite website. The Tampa Free Press. And you know what that means. You do, because everyone does. Oh, yeah. Florida man, Florida man, does whatever the fuck he can. Makes headlines every time. Florida's paradigm. Look out. Here comes Florida man. Indeed, here comes Florida man. In this case, a 37-year-old man who's a convicted felon was in possession of other people's IDs and dangerous illegal drugs when deputies arrested him for violating curfew. According to deputies, Charles Alexander Bates of East Naples was wearing a large bag across his chest with a large pocket knife in the front when deputies encountered him after midnight on a heavily damaged residential street in North Naples. Deputies had removed Bates from a residential property on the street prior to the curfew taking effect at midnight. He was unable to explain why he was back on the property and out past curfew. He was taken into custody. I will not tolerate criminal activity as our community covers from Hurricane Ian. 
uh, Sheriff Kevin Ramsbach said, Deputies are patrolling day and night to protect our citizens and their property. Bates faces eight additional charges, including five narcotics-related felonies. Deputies found a wallet containing someone else's Florida ID and credit cards inside of Bates' pants pockets. They also found $155 in cash and a deadly opioid fentanyl in his pocket. These are not my pants, Bates told deputies during the search. (laughs) Deputies found more fentanyl, crack cocaine, Xanax bars, tolazepam, diazepam, and marijuana inside the bag he was carrying. The bag also contained another individual's passport, a Versace plate valued at $300, and and narcotic paraphernalia. Bates is a convicted felon whose criminal history includes arrest for grand theft, narcotics offenses, and battery. (laughs) <laughs> these are not my pants. <laughs> I've always loved that excuse. These aren't my pants. I've I literally had someone do that to me. These aren't my pants. <laughs> you know, I've often wondered, though, you know, what if, what if they're telling the truth? Still in possession. Doesn't matter. But No, that's, that's what I'm saying. No, it's like, you know what? Those may not be your pants. I'll, I'll buy that. But how do you explain all the stuff in them? Like, even if you stole those pants from somebody, once you found out that there was all that shit in there, if you really weren't up to anything, why wouldn't you have just stopped by a garbage can? It would have been a seamless getaway. Oh, God. No, no, no. No, I, we're, 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 we're just taking a break. All right, Buck, we're back with the second half of the show here. And we're going to start right with something from the New York Post. And I'm, I'm just kind of like, really? <laughs> you fucking buzzkills. Uh, this has been, like I said, being reported by the New York Post. Texas high school golf team cancels practice after encountering strip clubs tournament on course. <laughs> These kids came for iron clubs, not strip clubs. <laughs> A high school team in Austin, Texas, was forced to cancel practice after students ran into lewd strippers playing in a tournament sponsored by the Jiggly Joint, according to the school district. Things went off course Monday when Vista Ridge High School golfers spotted dancers from the Yellow Rose Strip Club hitting balls in their skivvies at the Avery Ranch Golf Club. (laughs) Unfortunately, our golfers did witness some lewd behavior. The coaches immediately canceled practice and had all players contact their parents to come pick them up. The adult entertainment club, which bills itself as a gentleman's club with tantalizing table dances, has been holding its boozy annual tournament and awards ceremony from noon to 5 p.m. The event featured a complimentary Bloody Mary bar, a swag bag, and plenty of drinks, according to a flyer for the event. (laughs) The school's head coach, Keith Allen, said folks from the club were acting very inappropriately, and the school had not been informed they were sharing the course with them. He also canceled practice the following day to to unfortunate timing. They haven't really dashed out. I don't know why. Uh, Reps from the strip club and golf course did not immediately return requests for comment. This story was like a bunch of different sources. I picked this one because I had pictures, and I liked it. (laughs) 
<laughs> but apparently the, um, the, the, the school district had, or not school district, the golf course said they're not going to let them come back for their tournament. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> so do I. So I, do I. It's, it's like, listen, um, it, they have, you guys knew, you knew, you knew, you knew what you were uh, uh, renting the course out for. When it's sponsored by the Jiggly Room and it's a strip, you know, strip club award ceremony, you jackasses knew exactly what you were doing. You just forgot that the school has their practice on that day. Or you, it just did not occur to you. So instead of kicking them out and saying, you can't be here anymore, I got an idea, genius. How about you just check the fucking calendar next time and make sure that, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a, 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 a appropriate day to schedule it. You know, and when, you know, just tell, and, and I'm sure if you told the strip club too, listen, um, you need to have somebody at the gate uh, to make sure that everybody comes in, realizes what's going on and make sure nobody under the age of 18 comes in for that five hour period. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We're all good. Nope, nope. Instead, or just hang, just hang a fucking sign. Or hang a sign. Hey, um, hang a sign right at your, right at your gate. You know, we are having adults only the adult. Just, just adults only yeah. today from noon to whatever, you know, what have you. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but instead they, they bow down to the school districts and their fucking uh, Puritan attitude and said, nope, we can't have strippers anymore. Yeah. How many golf courses are in this place? Like, is it a big, big town? Like, is it somewhere that no we've idea. heard of? Is it like Dallas? I doubt it. Um, Austin. Yeah, it's in Austin. So I mean, okay, sure. okay. So there probably are quite a few golf courses. So now I am but, sure there's plenty of golf no. courses reaching out to the Jiggly Room saying, "We'll take your business." That's what I'm saying, man. But either way, I mean, like you run a golf course, it has nothing to do with school. Golf and school, like, like I, I don't even know how to compare those two things. I don't even. I don't like. You There's know, nothing that comes to my mind. You can't even call it like apples and oranges. You know, can't do that. I have seen some pretty fucked up shit on a golf course. I used to. That's golf. what I'm saying. I used to golf. Like are, alcohol are is a mainstay. A... Alcohol is a mainstay. You know, I had a person with me one time who said, "I'll be right back," and took my golf cart, left me stand. Luckily, I I had managed to grab my wedge and my uh, my my putter off of the the cart before it disappeared. Uh, and I had to walk the rest of the way and it, and the said golf cart caught up to me, um, like a hole and a half later and said golf cart now had two very large styrofoam containers in it. Like, what is this? I got a drink. Did you bring me one? No, these are both mine. Okay. Well, by the back nine, that individual was found in a pond Chasing a crane, going boogity boogity birdie, boogity boogity birdie, <laughs> dude. Because uh, because like, those styrofoam cups were mostly vodka, <laughs> dude. That that and that's that's great. Like that, in and of itself, like a lot of good fucking stories started a golf course. You want to know why? Because no good because... story started with a salad. No, it's because you don't see family-friendly golf courses. If you see family and friendly and golf course, 
Move lame. on. Move on. Lame. Move on. Lame. 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 It's the last fucking course I would go to. And now whatever place is that is in Austin. Okay. It's like all you're going to be doing is catering to a school. I hope they're paying your fucking operating costs because I certainly won't be going there. You know, I, like, like, you know, I'd be like, like, I remember the days where I could come here and see strippers hitting off the fucking eighth hole. Now, it's fucking... <laughs> Like, I bet you some secretary in some office is like, oh, no, we can't have that. Well, see, here's the thing. I told you before. Like, I, uh, I, yeah. I, I, picked, I picked this particular article because I had pictures. There is nothing that you wouldn't see on a beach in these pictures. Right. I, it's, why, it's why, like, is it, why do we have this, like, hang-up that I can see part of someone's butt cheek here, but I can't see it there? Even though this one is open to the public and anybody and everybody can walk into it, but this one you actually have to pay admission for. Why? Why is it that the one you have to pay admission for is like, ooh, we we are we paying to not see a butt? Are we paying not to see a boob? <laughs> like, and you know what? Beaches and golf courses are closer in relation than schools and golf courses. At least beaches and golf courses both have fucking sand. You know, <laughs> like, like what the, what, what, I just, I don't get it. it. It's so perplexing to me again, because again, if I saw family friendly on anything, but a mini golf course, I wouldn't fucking go there. I want an adults only mini golf course. That'd be awesome. Like Dave and Buster's golf, Dave and Buster's mini golf. Let's do it, dude, dude. I'm telling you what, man, we should submit that. Well, Buck, our next story comes from The Guardian. Original, I'm sorry, not true, ordinary, <laughs> ordinary Chinese vase valued at 2,000 pounds sells for almost 8 million pounds after bidding war. An ordinary Chinese vase was up for auction in France and valued at about 2,000 euros. Was sold for almost 8 million euros after a furious bidding war between buyers convinced it was an 18th century artifact. <laughs> at a sale in Paris, auctioneers were astonished at the officers, I'm sorry, the officer offers from 30 mainly Chinese bidders kept on coming. When the hammer fell on the vase, it had sold for 7.7 .7 million euros, almost 4,000 times its estimated value, with the seller's fees and final, final purchase price was 9.12 million. Uh, the porcelain vase was part of the auction by a woman living in uh, French overseas territory who had left it uh, who had left to her by her late mother. The unnamed seller had not been, had not seen the 54 centimeter tall vase, but arranged for it to be taken from her mother's home in Brittany to Paris to be sold at the auctioneer by the auctioneers. Uh, she told the auction house experts that the vase had vase rather had been originally belonged to her grandmother, a uh, collector. Almost 30 would-be buyers competed for the, in the bidding war. Jean-Pierre Osnat uh, of the auction house said that it was a crazy story. The seller lives far away and didn't even see the vase. She inherited it from her mother, who in turn inherited it from her mother, who was a big Paris collector in the last century. Uh, 
the the translation for the vase means heavenly sphere and denotes the shape of the vase, which was blue and white porcelain covered in enamel decorated with uh, dragons and clouds. The auction house says it dated from the 20th century and describes it as quite ordinary. <laughs> Had it been 200 years old, it would have been extremely rare, the experts say. Uh, the director for the facility said that from the moment the cataloging was published, we saw some enormous interest with more and more Chinese people coming to see the vase. Our experts still don't think it's old. <laughs> the Chinese are passionate about their history and proud to take possession of their history. He said the buyer was Chinese and he believed the vase to be, uh, would be put on display. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what? What a fantastic piece of fucking news from your from your departed mother. Right? It's like, oh. Like, <laughs> she probably got the phone call. You're telling her, it's like, oh, your boss sold for eight, nine million bucks. The lady was. <laughs> I can only imagine. Her reaction to that being like, wait, what? Like, wait, what? You're telling me that I got what for mom's face? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we used to throw fucking pieces of paper into that thing from across the room. <laughs> that thing's not worth nine million bucks. Oh my god. That's just... Uh, so converted converted to U.S. dollars, it's almost nine million. It's eight 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 million eight hundred eighty five thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah, well, I mean for something for something, that, for something that grandma probably picked up at a flea market. That's what I'm saying. Like the kids are probably like, "Oh man, I remember when we used to throw like bouncy balls into that thing from across the room, right?" You know, oh, that spot on the bottom is where you know our brother Jimmy cracked it. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> All right, Buck. You ever cheated at a game? Probably. Probably. Everyone's cheated at a game. <laughs> um, like, I, I, I can't recall anything. How about, how about, like, off how about the top of my it, head, but. How about when it actually mattered, though? Like, there was prize money on the line or something. Oh, I don't compete. No, I've never done that. I, I can't say that I did either, especially when it's. Um, something that's actually like a legitimate sport. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is by Newsfeed Media. Fishing duo stripped tournament title. Their fishing catch were found to be stuffed with lead weights. I swear to God, that's how it, it reads. Fishing duo stripped tournament title. Their fishing catch was found to be stuffed with lead weights. That's how the sentence reads, okay? So <laughs> it's not like it's a translation either. It's just really shitty. <laughs> Uh, something's fishy's going on. Professional fishing duo was stripped of their tournament title after their entire catch was found to be stuffed with lead weights. <laughs> wow. Two fishermen have been accused of cheating in a fishing tournament make their catches seem heavier by stuffing them with weights. Chase Kaminsky from Pennsylvania and Jake Runyon from Ohio were taking part in the Lake Erie Walleye Trail Championship in Cleveland's Gordon Park in Ohio on Friday. Suspicions were aroused in the final moments of the tournament when the anglers' catch had to be weighed in and their five heaviest fish of the day were to be placed on scales. 
Kaminsky and Runyon's catch weighed almost 33 pounds, almost double their closest competitor. Chase Kaminsky and Ryan uh, Runyon allegedly added weights to the fish in order to put them on the top of the leaderboard. Tournament director Jason Fisher then decided to gut the fish. <laughs> I'm sorry. After the fish were weighed, the pair were told to stay on the stay on for the fish to be photographed. Tournament director Jason Fisher then decided to gut the fish, at which point the duo's cheating was exposed. Inside each of the fish were several lead balls, deliberately designed to put pounds in their pair's catch and thus secure the title and accompanying $5,000 prize. We got weights in fish, Fisher announced to the gathered crowd who quickly turned angry. They were outraged from onlookers who demanded answers and some threatening to call the police. The duo allegedly stuffed the objects down the throats of the fish in order to bulk up their weight and improve their standing in the tournament. <laughs> Alongside the lead weights, there were also slices of other fish fillets uh, that had been stuffed into the body of the catch, once again to increase their weight. The entire exposure was filmed and posted on social media. Runyon is asked if he has anything to say for himself, and he remains silent throughout. Chase Kaminsky and Jake Runyon were stripped of their winning title after a tournament official discovered the lead weights that the fish were caught. It is like a bunch of uh, pictures here. Other fishermen gathered at the event were furious at the pair who expo- were exposed as cheaters. Their pair have been called out as cheaters on the official event page on Facebook and banned from all future tournaments. Disgusting guys and gals, I'm sorry for letting you down for so long. I'm glad I got caught cheating taking place in your loot uh, at the same time. I don't... <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I can't uh, think enough to post results, but uh, congrats. And it has a guy there's a really uh, Eastern European name I can't pronounce. Um, Same goes to Yuck in the opening winners. I hope you know what I, when I say you built this loot and I will defend its integrity at all costs. I mean it. Following the the pair's disqualification, questions have been asked uh, for the tournaments that Kaminsky and Runyon won in the past. The pair have already claimed their first place prizes and earned a considerable sum of money in various loot events, including the 2001 championship. The the duo scored the top catch in last year's Lake Erie Fall Brawl and attempted to claim a $100,000 prize, but were disqualified. At the time of the, (laughs) at the time, the director of the tournament did not explain why other than to say the men failed a polygraph test. Runyon protested saying that he, how the fish had been caught by following the rules and they were innocent he even secured legal counsel in an attempt to secure their winnings in another event the Ross, uh, Rossford walleye roundup in Ohio several competitors shared their suspicions that the pair's fish looked old and may have been stashed away prior to the start of the event following the event the pair decided not to donate their catch to the local food bank as most other fishermen proceeded to do the organizers from previous tournaments may now be uh, weighing their options of taking legal action against the pair for the alleged fraud and deceptive practices. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I'll tell you what, man. The whole fucking moral of this is that pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Okay? I mean, like, the moral is don't cheat. But, I mean, if you're gonna, these people got fucking greedy. Yeah, Like, I'm sure... Like, no shit, man. It's like, oh, we've got eight smallmouth bass here weighing almost 40 pounds? <laughs> like, like, what was the, like, I think the final tally was like 
33 pounds. See, I'm, I'm looking at I, I can see pictures. And the, the, the weights that they put in there, they're like egg-shaped, but they're a little bit bigger than golf balls. I mean, they're huge. <laughs> right. And so, you know, they go up to the weight, and, you know, in these fishing tournaments, like, it's not like you have a guy like me holding the scale. And then all I'm looking at is just a number on the scale. Like, the people who weigh these fucking things see fish more accidentally than most people do on purpose. Like, they forgot more about fish than I ever knew. And they're the ones weighing them. And this guy probably saw this fucking fish go up on the scale and was like, nope. <laughs> I think I'm just, like, if I'll be a, I'll be a shit-covered dick if, if this is <laughs> <laughs> Like, like that's what he said. He's like, you know what? I'm just cut this bitch open right here. Flume. It's like, ah, uh, okay, all right. This fish has lead poisoning. <laughs> yes, I believe that the cause of death was not the hook. Hmm. Indeed. Well, let me. What a shitty thing. I mean, seriously. But when you look at the prize money on the line, you're kind of like, okay, well. Well, it's only five grand for that tournament, for man. That, I was just about that, to say for that. that tournament. But you, in most most of these kinds of pl- things, like to qualify for the bigger tournaments, you have to have won or placed in so many like smaller tournaments. Right, so, I understand that, but they're going all out, doubling the fucking weight of each fish that they either caught or stashed in there. They look like old fish or whatever. They're doubling down. Yeah. On a, on a on a tournament with only a five thousand dollar prize, it's like man, like that's one where you want to play second or third, yeah. like yeah, like like seriously, like what you, these guys, and they've been doing it for a while, probably. So it's a, this is not their first rodeo. I'm telling you what, somebody somebody's wife wants a new car, or they want a new bass. Is what it is. <laughs> what well, that's something. Somebody wants something new, new. New, Where <laughs> <laughs> they owe somebody money really bad. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's either got a bookie or a fucking greedy fiance. But one of, I'm telling you, money is at the root of this. Indeed. All right, folks, that's going to bring us to an end of another episode of the Social Liability Podcast. We'll remind you, once again, we have a second podcast called The Subcockles of Reddit. Take a listen to that. It's, if you uh, have Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, you should be able to find that. Uh, that being said, folks, I am the Raz. He is the Buck. Wishing you all a happy and safe week, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Social Liability Podcast.